0: And welcome back to Happy Porch Radio season six. This season, we are still focusing on circular economy in Africa. Today, we had the pleasure of talking to Fela Akinshe, who is the founder of Salubata, a company based in Nigeria that makes modular shoes from plastic waste. There is loads going on with this company that was just really inspiring. And Fela is a very ambitious guy. And it was a real pleasure to speak to him. I found that his kind of energy really came through when he was talking about his vision for the future, Barry.
1: Yeah, definitely. And his ambitions and plans. I really liked how interwoven he's really thought about the impact with his business across all the way through from where the plastic comes from and working with disadvantaged people and a contribution of the income and profit from each shoe all the way through to the modularity of the shoe and thinking then about how he's going to scale. It. And it's really fascinating, very inspiring guy, inspiring business. And from a point of view of a technologist and uh, people working in design or marketing, it's finding these kinds of entrepreneurs and businesses and multiplying and accepting the catalyst for greater impact, I think is where we as an industry can fit in.
0: And he mentions his various different interests and passions and how they all just came together in this nice solution for plastic waste as a problem, and that he wants to offer that to his customers. And he made it sound so simple.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And without any further ado, in fact, let's hear from Fela.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Fela, and I'm the CEO and also a co founder at the brand Salubata. And at Salubata, we have a mission to invent lifestyle technologies that help people and the planet. Um, we currently occupy this niche of recycled plastic shoes and make a profit whilst also benefiting people and planet. And so we do not just make shoes of plastic waste alone, the shoes themselves are also modular. And so I think I'm going to stop there. Yeah, thank you.
1: <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, brilliant. Welcome to Happy Watch Radio. I'm really excited to talk a little bit about the product. But let's start with a little bit of the background. I'm excited about the product, by the way, because of the modularity. I think that's really exciting from a circular economy point of view, and that you're using recycled waste for the product as well. And we can talk a little bit more about what that means in a moment. But to start, so tell us a little bit about your background, Philo. What led you to the point where you're now working on this business with this broad vision?
2: Yeah, so I went to the University of Lagos in Nigeria, and um, I studied environmental toxicology. It's really about... Pollution management, toxicants, you know. It's, I graduated at the top of my class, but that's not it. It's really about me, and myself, trying to find solutions to things. think even while I was in school, I've been really entrepreneurial. Like, I organized a four spelling competition for tertiary institutions. There's never been any like that. Mm-hmm. So, it was really a lot of learning points for me. So, I had a bachelor's and master's degree in environmental toxicology and um, pollution management. And i am going to work as a business analyst and also as an environmental scientist. Also been designing shoes for the past six years. While working as an environmental scientist, I noticed a problem at work and uh, it's with plastic pollution. And I've always known that the problem with plastics themselves is really around the volume, that if we can crush the volume of the plastics, then uh, we can solve the volume and the problem to a large extent. Another problem I realized is that we have more people reusing this waste rather than recycle or upcycle them. So if you reuse, then the volume retains uh, while more plastics are being produced per day. And if you continue reusing, the volume keeps remaining constant. Not just yeah. constant, but even more. And so it's the more reason why we see that you have a lot of recycling harmonies around, but the volume of the plastic waste in the environment not only remains constant but also more in the environment. Beyond that, why we're making shoes, we used to make shoes from leather earlier on, but then we weigh them before they are being dispatched. And So the weight determines the, the price the customer pays. And we do not operate. We operate, we've been operating the pressure store even from scratch. So we have Korea partners that work with us. And so we realize a recurrence in the weight of the shoes. That's about a drop in five kilograms. And also study that the average person in a metropolitan consumes about 0.5 kilograms of plastic waste per day. Mm-hmm. So it was this reason where we well, felt like okay, in a year alone, there are over 351 million pounds of plastic waste. And so just only about nine percent of this list have ever been recycled. Just nine. And so felt like if the weight of a shoe is about zero point five kilograms, and this person consumes about 0.5 kilograms of plastic waste per day cannot equate this into shoes. Mm. And so it was the reason why for like if we could convert the volume of particles produced yearly, that's about 381 million, that would amount to over 782 trillion shoes per annum. Well, yes, we understand that we cannot produce that. (laughs) So (laughs) it was the reason why I think it was just really about a lot of dots connecting from environmental background to the business background. Then through the design background, a lot of things we're just connecting and all. And Mm -hmm. from also the perspective of trying to offer a solution that works. So Mm -hmm. that's what really brought us into doing what we're doing.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. I really like that story, as you say, of many dots connecting. You obviously were really passionate and interested in in the environmental and and the questions around waste to go all the way through to do a master's of it and to excel academically in that. But then... Did your interest in designing shoes, was that independent? Is that just a coincidental that you've managed to combine those two interests or, or is it very deliberate?
2: Well, for shoes themselves, I just wanted to make money. One mm-hmm. And um, design, i been an artist period right from when I was really small. So mm-hmm. I like to draw. And so I think it was really, in fact, I've also been a makeup artist mm-hmm. while I do <laughs> that particular part, a lot of people do not know. But then I that, but then I felt like I could unless all of this artistry work and business background and science background into one, then we could really build something really beautiful. And so even while we are marketing these shoes made from plastic waste, you see that mm-hmm. the shoes and um, there, there's a lot of aesthetics that we consider in the manufacturing or in the design. And so because we understand that people do not just want to wear shoes, a lot of people just want to wear shoes. The, a lot of people do not really care about the materials from which they are made from. and So you have to make them, the products really appealing, irrespective of the material. And so you have to even make it more appealing than the materials that are not sustainable so you can get a lot of people doing that set. So it was really about all of this background.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you've really hit on, a, on an absolutely vital thread there of the business of doing like a it's being sustainable isn't enough. The product needs to be good. It needs to be equally as good or better than the alternatives if it's going to be a successful business. So That makes complete sense. And coming from a from a very passionate interest myself in the circular economy that is something that is constantly need reminded of. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I really like that you're um, combining those three things, yeah, that interest in the economic the background, the interest in business, and then the creative artistic side. So tell us a little bit about the shoes and what you mean by how are they modular? How does, what does it actually look like? What is it?
0: Sorry to interrupt, okay. but can I ask a question before you ask that question, Barry?
1: Go ahead, Emily, please do.
0: <laughs> I don't mean to cut in, but yeah, I love what you said that you've got these three kind of interests and passions and expertise and you've just gone, right, there's a problem I can solve with all these things. It's really inspiring. Do you remember if there was like a moment even before you started studying environmental toxicology, maybe, I don't know when it would have come for you where you thought this is something that I need to dedicate some time to. Like this is clearly a problem. I want to help solve it.
2: Well, thank you for the question. I would say that I would consider myself as a problem solver. And the problem of plastic waste is something I see as being recurrent in the environment, and the, a lot of the damages is caused even to a lot of places. So it was really not, I wasn't so fixed on solving the problem of plastic waste actually. I started with making shoes just to make money, but then I felt like. Well, I can combine my environmental background with this, and so and this might just make make a lot of sense. And so and so that was what really happened. I didn't really come out to start to just making sure some plastic waste. I think my background really helped to you know accelerate the process because one thing we already understand is design. Design, I believe, is really very key, and um, we believe that is essential for scalability. And that's one of the I would t- really talk about Apple a bit, the Apple product, like the iPhones, the MacBook, the way it's it's been built, though so it has a lot of functionalities, but the aesthetics, they put in a lot of work into aesthetics. And so it's one of those things we also have as foundation at that, irrespective of how good cool the product is, it must be really appealing visually, at least, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that is a really good point that there's this kind of making the product trendy will help make it successful. Mm-hmm. And the circularity of it then becomes part of it being trendy, mm-hmm. as well as this solution that's helping this global issue of plastic waste.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Barry, do you want to ask you a question now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we've left a bit of a tease there with what's the product.
0: <laughs> I know. So
1: Yeah, let's talk about that. What So, so it's shoes, but they're modular. So can you just describe them and what you mean by modular?
2: Okay, yeah. So modular means... So the reason before we started going into making shoes from modular, I mean, making the shoes modular, is that while we are making our research, we realized that we're not the first people to start making shoes from plastic waste. We have the likes of Adidas, we have the likes of Rutgers, making shoes from plastic waste too. But they we felt like could take this innovation higher. And so, just going just beyond making shoes from plastic waste to making them modular. And the modularity is that, for example, you have one shoe, one sole with a lot of detachable uppers. And so, imagine that you have just your shoe. Sorry, I, I didn't, <laughs> I could have probably brought the shoe here to show you. So you can <laughs> head on to our website to sell our official to see what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so what the modular means is that you have just one sole, but you have the modular part that is detachable. And mm-hmm. so you can replace different colors and different designs. And so with that, we are helping people to save money. For people that really want to save money, we are helping people to save space. I people For people that like to wash their shoes easily, especially the smelly parts where their hands cannot touch, like where they have to put in. So it's easy to wash. So you can readily detach the shoes from the top and wash it. It's something you can readily throw in the washing machine, just like the clothes, and you can wash them easily. So it was from those perspectives, we're really thinking from the angle of the customer needs, actually. I'm not really from... Aside the education of making issues on plastic waste, of trying to be more sustainable, or aside the education, education of promoting sustainability, we are more really focused on the customer, what the customer needs, and the needs of the customer. We believe these are the things that will really help us replicate our impacts faster. And so I was really about the customer trying to see how we can help the customer save cost, save space, and also considering the The manufacturer, because by the coming year we will be launching um, the Salubata franchise, where anyone, anywhere in the world can tap into our technology. And so, for the manufacturer too, you do not have to spend a lot of energy on manufacturing an extra shoe because the sole itself consumes about seventy percent of the energy that is being used in the shoe manufacturing. And so, you do not need to produce an extra sole. All you need to produce is just one sole. And so, in this case, we've had customers that bought, like, five different colors or different opas. In fact, it has turned out that we're making even more money from the modularity, and everybody, every customer is also feeling that they're also in the environment, and they're also feeling good about the shoes. The shoes are also really very cool. And so, I would say it's all intertwined, and all encompassing, and it's really about the functionality, and uh, also the, for the purpose. So, we believe we are playing this role really well, <laughs> for, especially for the customer and the environment.
1: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Wonderful. So, yeah, like you say, it's hard to describe the product, to visualize it in in an audio format, but we'll put the links into com as always. But if anybody wants to check out pictures of those shoes so it becomes a bit clearer in your mind, it's salubata, S-A-L-U-B-A-T-A, official.com. Yeah. So like you say, there's a web, there's a real interconnected web of benefits and the reasons for the product. But I'd like to sort of walk through a little bit of the journey of some of those things in a, in a sort of journey format. So first of all, the some of the material comes, for, or how, like it comes from plastic waste. What does that mean? Do you literally collect? Where does your plastic come from? And can you quickly describe the process for turning that into you know, the material that then makes a shoe?
2: Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So because we, we realize that a lot of these impacts, the downwind impacts of these pollutants, Plastic waste pollutants affect the people in the underserved communities the most, and so that's why one of the reasons why we focus more on collecting this plastic waste on the underserved communities. And so, yeah, about last week, we we're actually thinking about some other concepts of not just focusing on the downwind impacts, but also on the uphill impacts. It's just more like there's somebody on a hill trying to stone you from a hill or like a mountain, and you keep dodging it. And so, I think the best way to do that is to remove the person on the mountain or hill mm-hmm. to prevent the stone from falling on you. And so, for us, it's really from collecting the plastic waste from, mm-hmm. from these underserved communities, and we realize that most of the people that have been impacted the most are the women and the children. And so I'll come back to that. But then, shoes are being collected, and so we partner also partner with recycling companies, and they help in the sorting. So we, the plastic themselves have been shredded, after being shredded, they're converted to yarns. So these yarns just like the lines of your clothing, just like your material, like your wool and all, but they're made from plastics. Um, these yarns are then drawn into patterns. The patterns then are then used to make the shoes. So that's really the process. But then I will come back out, I, I, I was trying to talk about the impact of the pollutants on the people in the desert communities. because we realized that the dangling part of the pollutants affect the people in the south communities most believe that. Um, so it's one of the reasons why we contribute. So for every shoe you purchase, we have 5% of our profits that have been dedicated to empowering women in these communities. So it's not giving them the money. We are empowering them, training them on having skill sets where we can readily also onboard them as employers at San Luvata. And so I believe a direct would be Helping the environment and also
0: helping people. Yeah, thank you. It's just kind of heartwarming to hear because it's like all the good things of helping people and planet and also getting a viable business out of it. I love the thing that you said about, you know, you weren't really kind of focused on the sustainability stuff. You were thinking, what do our customers need? They need convenience of cleaning these things. They want variety. They need low costs. And it just so happens that your solution is actually, you know, what they need is a very circular product. And within that, you're also supporting women and children in local communities. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about the network that you work with in Nigeria and the circularity um, scene that you are connected with in your work?
2: I would not really say we work with a particular network. What we just find is we just keep getting a lot of people interested in what we're doing by the day, by the week, months, Uh, but for us, I would not say we belong to a particular network. Yes, in Nigeria, there is the environmental buzzword organizations know about what we're doing, and also beyond. Like in Ireland, there was an award we won the business credit Award, for secularity. I would say that we we'll belong to their community automatically. So we've been part of some accelerators and also some incubators, and um, in the US and also in Britain. And so we believe those are what we would refer to as, as our communities, and also alongside our customers, we would say those are our networks. Actually, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Cool. So like the international circularity community is your professional community. That's very cool. Yeah. I kind of want a pair of these shoes. I don't know about you, Barry, but I'm going to do some shopping after we have this conversation.
1: (laughs) So that's a nice little segue to the next question I wanted to ask. A lot of the intention of this podcast is to talk about uh, the design process and the technology that can complement or that allows the creation of products and businesses like yours. We've touched a little bit on the design process, and I wanted to quickly go back to that and ask about I guess from your point of view the design process of creating a shoe and then making it modular was there a lot for you to learn there did it come very naturally was it a case of i'm very comfortable designing these cool shoes and they're modular or or how difficult was it to make the product you know to pull the whole product together
2: yes so i think for i would say one in africa i feel one of the reasons a lot of businesses do not really succeed is because they are not designed to scale and so one of the Issues we are still encountering right now is a problem of standardization. Mm -hmm. So if you are asked to maybe make 1,000 shoes, maybe that might be cool. But if you are told to make 10,000, there will be a problem. And so this Mm -hmm. lies in the kind of machineries, and also most importantly, the people. And so a lot of times you don't get to find people with the right skill sets to be able to put... You cannot do everything. And so it's really all of these problems. And um, for us now, it's really about really scaling our business and laying more impact. But then we cannot be limited by the problems that exist. That is problem of standardization. And I feel like for us now, it's really about partnering with factories that are able to do that even better. And for us, it's really about... The kind of impact we can make rapidly, and then that is really about the design that we feel like a lot of people do not put that in mind mm. to start with, and then encounter a lot of problems because bad products can readily get and customers of you. And maybe they can just get it first time. Maybe try it, second time. If it recurs, then there's a lot of problem. Then we, we see them no more, and they just want yeah. to wear the new no machines. Just want to so. I feel like it's really about buying the customer um, for life. And yeah. and that's why a lot of efforts needs to be put into standardization. I think for us, that is the core part of what we should be doing, no matter what. Because the truth is, a lot of people do not really care about the environment. And so mm-hmm. what they care about is how visually appealing the product is, the aesthetics. And the people that really care about the environment Yes, it's growing, but it's not so much right now. And mm-hmm. so what we want to do is to cover everybody, those take care and those who don't care, and in that way, we'll be able to educate more people along the way. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah that makes sense. And it's really interesting you describe that as, as your... Would you describe that uh, the challenge of standardization and being able to scale what you're doing as your biggest challenge with what you're trying to get to?
2: Well, yes, that's one of those challenges. But then there's also an issue of funding. Yeah. But then I feel like I think they come in hand in hand, and <laughs> if you, even if you have a lot of money, if you have a lot of money, I would still for me prioritize the issue of standardization over funding. Why funding makes a lot of sense, even though you have a lot of money and you still make bad products, you also get customers. So I feel what needs to be sorted first is the issue of standardization, even before go out raising money. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that makes complete sense. And one of the implications you made there was that you were finding that, you said in Africa, that the issue of standardization, Mm -hmm. how much of those problems are unique to the scenario that you're in in Nigeria? You know, are the things that you think are specific to both challenges and opportunities that are specific to being in Nigeria?
2: I would say that it's a lot of, it's a big problem. So the truth is, like I said, a lot of business are not built for scale or for sustainability. And so we have people in in small jobs or in small outlets trying to do that. Okay, for example, there was a place I went to, it's one of the states I went to in Nigeria, just trying to seek a manufacturing partner. And when we realized that we had machines donated by the government to this factory, and we do not have people that could use Mm -hmm. these machines. So it's really about the people and the machines. It's more of the people, actually than the machines. So the right set of people will the it. So it's really a big problem. And so for us, it's really about how can we grow so big that we can become even bigger than the likes of Nike and Navigas in a very short time. And that is what we're trying to do, that somebody, not just, the product is not just for us alone yet. We're trying to build a global community for our product and our technologies. And so if anybody in Japan, is trying to wear our shoes. person should get the same quality as the person is getting in Taiwan or in the United States or in the UK. So it's what we're trying to really achieve and believe the issue of solidization is something we need to really tackle. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: And yeah, and, and the skill sets and the technical skill sets and the, of, of the people doing the work, I can see that is one of the core issues you've identified. That's really interesting. So you touched on, I think, franchising and maybe some other things, but we've talked about that problem of scaling and standardization. Is the franchise model or, or how is, what's the solutions that you're currently working on to let you get to solve those problems?
2: Yes, so I mentioned earlier that what we're trying to do is to partner with Factories with enough credibility, while we monitor the whole processes of manufacturing? Because for us, in the end, yes, we are more like a social enterprise, but we are more, we force the business to, because we need money to sustain the business. So we need to partner with people that will give us what we need. And so uh, we believe in that manner, we can grow, we can scale really faster and bigger. And so that's what we're currently doing right now. And beyond that, we're also partnering with retail outlets in Europe and also in the U.S. right now. Uh, we're also considering Asia, And mm-hmm. so it's one of those, these are the ways we're trying to grow our scope, Partnered with some marketing partners, marketing agencies um, in the U.S. and also in Europe that are willing to help us um, drive um, the growth of our products. Mm-hmm. And so we believe these are what's called foundations for anybody that wants to hear uh, buy into our franchise and um, beyond, even before the franchise, we are trying to have enough credibility globally first, then we can invite people to buy into our drink. But then these are our, our, our growth strategies.
1: I wanted to ask as well, you've got a nice website and uh, where you can, people can go and buy the products. So where do your current sales come from? Does most of your business local with local retail? How much of the website side kind of business, how much comes that way? What's the current situation of where your business comes from?
2: Yes, so we've got various acquisition channels. Most of them are virtual or online. And we utilize primarily our website. We are also getting some deals with some e-commerce platforms to help do that. But our primary point of sale is our website, and also we direct people from our social media pages to our website. Uh, particularly, uh, I think the most active of all is Instagram, mm-hmm. It's still Salumbata, official on Instagram, and so we still direct people. A lot of time, we do not operate a physical store, right? Indeed. We believe that is a better way for us to grow, and we're seen some other companies, particularly in the U.S., grow in that manner. I feel like we can incorporate that model in our operation. We believe that we were actually positioned for pre-COVID, and because we never operated any physical store, but we've even had more sales especially and even people that operate physical stores. So we believe uh, that might just be a way to go. And I think the way forward to what we're doing now is having retailers or wholesalers and have physical stores. And just what would we just need when we want to keep doing is. Keep boosting our online platforms and working with partners yeah mm.
0: Mm. it's great to hear about your ambitions for the company and going global and taking over Nike and everyone in terms of the product itself and your kind of circularity and maybe also the social side of your impact. Do you have ambitions for that like is there a way that you can be even more circular or even more impactful in terms of the plastic waste and and what you're trying to with that.
2: Well, I believe that yes, if we do not scale what we're doing, we would not be able to impact a lot of lives and even the environment. And so it's one of the reasons why we are trying to grow big. and growth is not just to make money alone, but it's really about the impact the, the number of lives we can impact and what we can do to even improve the environment. We believe that in that manner and there's another model we are also incorporating into Salubata, And this is a closed loop system. This closed loop system, what it does is that we are trying to operate a system whereby nothing escapes into the environment, whereby the same shoes that are being worn are being collected and made into other shoes. So this will happen in a couple of months. And so that's what we're trying to do, where nothing escapes into the environment. And with that we now believe that we truly keep the
0: whole system circular itself. Nice. Yeah, I was going to ask that if, you know, by the time your shoes get to the end of their cycle, can it be re-entered into the system? That's really nice. Mm -hmm. I was wondering about the process that you have of recycling the plastic. And then obviously when you're talking about standardization and growth, I mean, first of all, where does your plastic come from that you then recycle and turn into shoes? And how do you see that in terms of this standardization thing? I assume that's kind of a big question of standardization that the plastic, it's not virgin plastic, it's coming from recycled sources.
2: Yeah, so the plastic themselves are PETs. They are low density plastics. that um, These are clear plastics. And the reason for that is they are readily dyed. It can be easily dyed into different colors. So the plastic themselves, talking about the issue or the case of operating a closed loop technology, Our closed loop system is whereby the same plastic, the same recycled plastics, the PETs, and are being used to make the shoes, are being collected and used to make other shoes, even other products beyond just shoes. So I guess I'm able to answer your question. I'm not too sure yet.
0: (laughs) I'm excited to see where it goes.
2: Yeah, thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, really fascinating conversation. And uh, as we talk, we keep discovering more and more little positive with things you're doing, like the introducing the closed loops, getting the returns back. You mentioned before about where the supply and helping those disadvantaged communities and the modularity. The, there's so much, as you described, the sort of systems thinking. There's so much different interconnected things that you're doing with the business, and I I think it's truly wonderful. And so just to finish up, for anybody listening who who wants to get in touch with you or find out more about the work you're doing, where can they go?
2: Yes, so you can just go on Google, type Sal S-A-L-U-B-A-T-A, you um, find us. So just go on Google, type Sal Mubata. And on our social media, you can go on Salubata Official. And on all of our social media, Salubata Official, uh, but on Twitter, it's, it's Salubata 1000. Salubata 1000 reports. Our primary point of contact is our website. and uh, That is www.salubataofficial.com. Just type Salubata on Google you'll see the results. Yeah, thank you.
1: Excellent. Brilliant, I love that. Just go type Salabata and Google, you'll find them. S-A-L-U-B-A-T-A. <laughs> and we'll put all those links as normal and to happyporchradio.com. Thanks again, Phil. I really enjoyed the conversation today.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Yeah, bye. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Baila. Thanks for listening to this episode of Happy Porch Radio. Hope you enjoyed it. You can hear more of our episodes at happyporchradio.com. You can also get in touch with us there, let us know what you think, let us know if you have any ideas or if you want to talk to us about something. We'd also love it if you can share these podcasts, review, rate, tell your pals, tell your neighbours, tell everyone. Tell your dog. Tell your dog. <laughs> Listen along with the whole family.
1: And my name's Barry and I founded happyporch.com and Happy Porch Fund and support the podcast at Happy Porch. We do technology and software development for purpose-led businesses. And we are particularly excited about the role of digital as an enabler for the circular economy. So if you're working on solutions to the big problems we face today, problems like climate change and biodiversity loss and global inequality, then let's connect. Visit happyportrait.com and get in touch.
0: And my name's Emily and I am a coach, a facilitator and a podcaster. My projects focus on personal development, innovation for a better world and connecting with nature. My latest podcasting adventure, alongside happy porch radio is exploring the world of carbon removal find out more about this and everything that i do at emilyswaddle.com or you can get in touch with me at hello at emilyswaddle.com